Good morning. morning. Our sermon series this fall, Jesus at Home, has been all about how Jesus came to invite us to be at home with him as he makes his home with us. And nothing says welcome home like food, right? Food and hospitality always seem to go together. So today and for the next few weeks, our Jesus at Home series takes a turn to focus on one certain aspect of home, Jesus at the table. And that's actually a very biblical theme. It's no accident that one of the two sacraments Jesus gives us is an invitation to his table because food is something we need. And sharing food together is a human experience that unites us. So in inviting us to his table, Jesus reminds us that he came to nourish us with something we truly need and to remind us as we look across the table at each other that part of this gift includes knowing that we're not on this journey alone. So if Jesus is calling us to his table, what does that mean for us? What is it that the God of the universe sees that we need, that he's inviting us into in Jesus Christ? What is it that he wants to give us at his table? Well, in John 6, Jesus engages that conversation. The day after Jesus miraculously feeds 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish, A group of people who had been there approached Jesus again, pretty much looking for a second handout. And they coached their demand for bread with a theological argument. They say, hey, Jesus, this God you claim to be your father, he fed his people in the wilderness every day for 40 years with free manna from heaven. You gave us bread yesterday, so if you really come from that same God, where's the bread today, Jesus? And Jesus' answer is basically yes, I'm of that same God, but this time the nourishment he's sending you is me. Because what he sent me to nourish isn't your body's earthly life. It's the eternal life of your soul. This time he's playing for keeps. And you are the prize and I'm the provision. I came to be the way that this eternal life will be put into you. Now, all of that was the Angie translation, of course. In John 6, this is what Jesus actually says in verse 40. My Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life. And verse 51, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. And verse 57, just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. Being invited to Jesus' table isn't just about coming to a place where we can get nourishment. He came to be our nourishment. He himself, his very being, his presence with us and in us is what our souls need to be infused with a life that's bigger than our life. Like our bodies need food to live, to be healthy and to grow, our souls need the presence of the Lord who is the source of all life to be fully alive now, and to be eternally alive in the future. And when you really think about that, it's not much of a mystery that we would need Him to provide that. It's God's life that's eternal, right? So Jesus, the Son of the living God, was sent to flawed, fragile, temporary earthly creatures like us to infuse into us eternal nourishment that doesn't come from anything we temporary creatures could provide but only comes from the one whose life is eternal, at work in us and for us. It's Jesus' gift 
And it's by his joining his life and his death with ours, with our temp- us temporary creatures, that we are invited to be covered by the new beginning of his resurrection power. But because love always respects the other too much to force them, Jesus came to share this as an invitation, simply as God's free gift for all who will receive it. And when Jesus says he's the living bread who God the Father sent from heaven, he's saying, yes, in love, in the past, God sent manna to feed your ancestors. But now I've come so you can feed off my eternal life. And I'm sure you can imagine people's reaction to that. Maybe it's your reaction too. Um, what? <laughs> feed on you? How is that going to happen? One thing you can say for Jesus, he certainly knows how to start a conversation. And what he effectively does here is turn them away from their fixation on getting an earthly hand out of bread to start to begin to see that his presence with us is about something much bigger that he came to meet an entirely different need that no one else in all eternity ever could meet as God's free gift given through God's only Son. And believe it or not, that actually makes a lot of sense as part of the whole story of God in relationship with his people as we look back on the Old Testament story of manna, where God also provides by sheer gift the life-sustaining nourishment his people could not have gotten any other way than by his gift. You see, after God saved his people from slavery in Egypt, parting the Red Sea to get them to freedom, his people were thousands in the desert with nothing to eat. And when they cried out to the Lord for food, he answered them by literally raining bread from heaven. No, not in a form anyone recognized as bread, in these little flakes that were found on the ground every morning that Scripture said tasted like honey and coriander seed. And the people were to gather it and bake it and make it into bread or boil it and make it into a porridge, kind of like a bread pudding. And they called it manna, which literally means in the Hebrew, what is it? (laughs) Because no one had ever seen anything like it before. And God provided this food where there was no food for 40 years until they reached the promised land. Forty years. That's an amazing miracle, a sheer gift. Only God could do this. Amazing. And even more amazing to me is how very quickly they all came to take it for granted. That food was going to fall from the sky every day. But the minute that I start to judge them for taking God's amazing provision for granted, I am immediately convicted. Because how much do we do the same? Do we understand what our God has freely given us? Or do we just look at what Jesus has done for us on the cross and think, what is it? Not recognizing what it means for us and for our future. Not recognizing that we have been given the life-saving ingredient we could never provide ourselves, which when engaged with our lives becomes the honeyed bread that not only nourishes but eternally blesses both us and those around us. But how often do we leave ungathered the rich blessings that Jesus has already given us that makes all the difference for our lives? Thinking, what are these dry flakes, these stories, 2,000, 4,000 years old, possibly have to do with me? They don't look much like the bread I need today. And thus we miss the invitation and the amazing gift that's right here for us. So let me give you an analogy. 
When I was growing up, I was extremely focused on being a student and all of my extracurricular activities, band, choir, drama, clubs, church, working my after-school job. And because of those things, I didn't really learn how to cook. I could feed myself if you count ramen noodles as food. Until one day, as a young adult living on my own in my apartment at my pastoral internship in Wisconsin, I realized I really wanted chocolate cake and there was no chocolate cake in my house. And that year, I was living on a very minimal stipend while still paying seminary tuition, so my budget was extremely tight. But I wanted to drive to the store and get some chocolate cake, which I knew was not in my budget, but I really wanted it. When all of a sudden it dawned on me, I wonder if I could make a chocolate cake. I mean, I'd grown up seeing my mom pull ingredients out of the cupboards and put them together and produce cake right there in the kitchen. And I'd eaten those cakes. But could I do that? So I pulled out this mysterious book that my mother had given me called a cookbook. <laughs> and I looked through this list of ingredients, and it turns out I had all of those very unappetizing things in my cupboard. Salt, cocoa powder, flour, oil. None of those things seemed like food to me. But when I started putting those things together, in what seemed like no time at all, all of that unappetizing what-is-it stuff became a chocolate cake. Where there had been no cake, there was cake. What is this magic? Seriously, I was overwhelmed with the wonder of what had just happened in my kitchen. And it turns out I'd had access to everything I needed all along. I just hadn't seen what I'd already been given. I didn't know how to put them into practice for the use that they had been given to me. And they were literally given to me. When I'd moved into my internship apartment, the congregation had given me a pounding, which is a lot less violent than it sounds. Different congregation members had donated a pound of different staple items, sugar, flour, salt, to put together a basket for me to start my year with them. It's a very thoughtful gesture. Little did they know how little I knew about turning ingredients into food. I knew the theories, but not the practice. But once I actually tried it and discovered what was possible, I started to wonder, what other things are hiding in my cabinets? I started to dive more and more every day into those cookbooks to figure out how I could put to use the goodness of what I'd been given and unleash the delight and the purpose they were given to me to employ for the sake of blessing my life and those around me. Now, of course, my whole life I had been eating food that my mother had put together from ingredients. I'd grown up being nourished by other people preparing food for me. That's how I survived this long. So it shouldn't have been a surprise to me how I could find the food that I needed. But having, even having seen it in others that I loved and admired for so long, seeing the benefit it had in their lives somehow hadn't computed into the value it would have for my life if I would put those same things into practice. Until I was living alone in a different state with a craving for chocolate cake and a cabinet full of ingredients. And how often is this true for us? That until you know the need yourself, you won't engage the gift or discover the joy and the power that it brings into your life. For me, it took being in that place to engage enough to discover for myself what it meant for me. But once I did, my life was forever changed. There was no going back because there was a whole new world open to me now and no limit to how I could grow or what I could discover.
I hope you realize by now this sermon is not about learning how to cook. It's about Jesus. It's about God's free gift of his love to us. That he is the heavenly ingredient that's needed to nourish our souls eternally with God's own presence infused in us now and forever. And it's a gift that's already ours for the receiving, waiting for us to engage with him so that he can bring our lives to life. Jesus is the bread of life. And today he's saying to us, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. And today I'm here for you. So how do we learn to feed on Jesus? Where do we start? Well, the crowd asked Jesus in John 6, what must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So what does God want from us? He wants you to trust Jesus that this gift is actually for you, that he really came for you. He wants you. He wants to bring you his forgiveness, his love, his power, his new start. And so today our confirmation students will start their confirmation process by confessing along with us, I believe. But when you joyfully accept that you have been invited to the table, after that comes the eating, right? And Jesus says in verse 57, the one who feeds on me will live because of me. And the truth is, eating food once a week might keep you alive, but if you want to be fully nourished, if you want to grow and be healthy, you need daily feeding. And the same is true with engaging our Lord for spiritual nourishment. Every once in a while is certainly better than never, but God's provision to you, his nourishing of your spirit, his leading and guiding and filling you with his love and purpose, that's meant to be daily, moment by moment, learning to gather in and discover what it is the Lord is showing you of his life, his power, and his presence through spending time in the Word, listening to him in prayer, learning to put into practice those things that he's showing you. And once you discover that, once you discover where Jesus is at work in you, before long you start noticing where he is in the strangest places in daily life, when you're driving to work and the little things that you notice. In a conversation you end up having with someone who's having a hard day, slowly the focus starts to change to an eternal perspective of the Lord's love for them and for you. You start to see there's no limit to what God wants to show you and teach you about things that matter to Him and that matter for you. A new adventure opens and new things start to get cooked up in your life. Today, 19 of our students will be confirming their faith in Jesus. And most of them were baptized when they were infants into the promise of Jesus who died for them and rose for them long before they could ever have done anything to deserve that gift. And they grew up learning that this gift is for them. They were nourished by faith meals put together for them by their parents, grandparents, teachers, pastors, refuge leaders, student ministry director, Christian friends, and peers. And throughout their confirmation years, they've been intentionally introduced to the book, learning that this manna, this daily gift God the Father has given them in Jesus and in the Holy Spirit's power is meant to be engaged with their whole lives to become through us the sweet bread of his presence that will not only bless our lives, but the lives of the world around us. 
And today, affirming that this promise is for them, that Jesus' death and resurrection has changed them from a temporary being to one infused with eternal life. Through a Savior who loved them so much, He would rather die than let their sins separate them from Him. And saying, yes, this Jesus is manna, the bread of life for me. They're also moving from living off a diet of what others have prepared for them in faith to now stepping into their adult journey of faith, learning to feed on Jesus themselves for the daily nourishment of his presence, his purpose, and his hope for them, knowing that when all things of this earth pass away, this life will still be theirs, Jesus' life in them. Engaging the daily manna, of Jesus' eternal presence in our own lives results in some pretty unique things, some beautiful things, some delicious things in each of us. So, beloved of God, my prayer for you today is that your eyes will be open to see the gift of Jesus' holy invitation to you here and now. In the power of the cross and his resurrection, the old is gone, the new has come. And I pray for those what-is-it moments in your life that in those moments you'll begin to see more and more the manna that your Lord is providing for you right here and now, wherever you are. And as you engage with him in it, may you taste and see that the Lord is good. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you came to be our daily bread. And as we seek to dive more deeply into this gift that you are in our lives, open our eyes to see what might help us grow more fully in engaging your gift for us. Whether that be in a small group where we can talk about you with others, or a service passion where we can practice your love for the world, a new prayer practice or a commitment to time in your word where we can more deeply come to hear your voice, show us, Lord, where you are leading us in this next chapter of our faith to help us keep growing and tasting and seeing how good you are, the goodness you want to bring into our lives forever with you. Help us to see the holy adventure you're inviting us to know and help us not miss the goodness you intend for each and every one of us. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.